0: Well, good morning. Am I coming through? Wonderful. <laughs> just, just me, it's not Ali joining me as well. <laughs> What's, what pace should I speak at? <laughs> when Jesus taught, he came with a message of salvation. But he also taught a message of a coming kingdom. And that is a kingdom that when we become Christians, when we give our lives to Jesus, we become part of that kingdom of God. And essentially, to us, that kingdom is an unseen kingdom. It's a kingdom that is made known when we see the effects that God has. We see the effects of God's kingdom. We look around us this morning, each person in this room who has given their life to Jesus is An effect of the kingdom of God. That is the kingdom of God expanding. We also see the effects of the kingdom of God through the Holy Spirit who works in each of us. God is present among us. And as we are physical, in the new creation, we will still be physical. So navigating this reality. You could get up and you could go and you could talk to somebody and you can interact with them. You'd probably be surprised... At how busy that spirit realm is. So, both places at the same time. And those who are seated in a throne room are those who are sitting in a place of delegated authority. Those who sit in a throne room are in the place of ruling and reigning under the delegated authority of King Jesus. So, you are sitting here, and you are like, almost like a gateway for the world to the kingdom of heaven. The Holy Spirit works through you into a world that is not yet part of his kingdom. But his is an ever-expanding kingdom, and he he wants to grow that kingdom through you. So the Holy Spirit is busy this morning. Wherever you are, he is working. He is working in you. He is doing something different. He's been working really hard this morning, helping us to hear God. Helping us to hear that God loves us. He's probably doing a lot of other things in us at all, because we've all got things that need doing in us. And the person next to you probably needs something very different doing in you than you do. But God is working. The Holy Spirit is very busy this morning, moving and working. Also, if we could see this room in the spirit realm... We probably see that there are angels in here. God sends angels among his people to minister to them. So we are his people. We can pretty much expect that there are angels here ministering to us, working among us, carrying out the assignment that God has given them in our lives at this point in time. We would probably also see that there are some demons in the room. Let's not think that because we're worshipping God, that they're not here, that they're waiting outside. We've probably brought a few in with us. And we're going to come on to how we've done that in a, in a moment. But this, like I said, what I'm trying to say is that the spirit realm around us, what we can't see, is at least as busy, as if, if not more busy, than what we can see. Now this morning... I'm speaking on the gift of discernment, the discerning of spirits. Now, there is a level of discernment that comes through our human understanding, through what we, what we know, through what we've read in the Bible. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. What I'm talking about this morning is the gift of discernment, where we need the Holy Spirit to reveal the things of the spirit realm to us so that just as you can navigate around the room in the natural, actually we learn to navigate around the room in the spiritual realm. We learn to see what God is doing, how he's working, how we then partner with what he's doing. And we've seen that this morning. Richard has led us in discerning God. He's led us in discerning that God is telling us That he loves him. And those demons that came in, they are not happy with us this morning because we have been crying out to God and saying how desperate we are for him. They don't like that. So, this gift of discernment, it is listed in with the many other gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. And I want to make the point that Andrew made a few weeks ago when he was speaking about prophecy. These gifts are listed in among 1 Corinthians 13, which is all about love. Just as prophecy is rooted in love, the gift of discerning of spirit is rooted in love. It's not a spiritually veiled Um, excuse to criticize somebody or to mistrust somebody or to be working out what people's motivations are. It is a gift of love and it is a gift that comes to bring us into a freedom. It's a gift that comes to bring us into deeper revelation of what God is doing and it is a gift that builds us up. Now, essentially, this morning, I'm going to be talking about about discerning around ourselves. Yes, the Bible does talk about times when we need to be discerning of others. But first and foremost, God wants us to discern what is happening around us. And Hebrews 5.14 says, But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained, by constant practice to distinguish good from evil, we need to be daily practicing with the Holy Spirit how to hear Him, how to discern what He's saying, how to understand what He's showing us, so that we know how to navigate ourselves. When we learn that, when we grow and become mature in that, that is when God will begin to trust us with other people. But first of all, we must learn to discern ourselves. So that is where my focus is going to be this morning. So this gift is called the discerning of spirits. In other words, we learn to distinguish what spirit is at work at any time among us. And those those spirits come into three categories that I'm going to look at this morning. Holy, human, and demonic. So I want to take a, a little look at each and how we can grow in discerning those things and what we need to do about them when we discern them. So I'm going to start with, with holy. And when I'm talking about Holy Spirits, yes, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit first and foremost, but also that may involve the angelic realm. It may involve um, anointings, mantles, giftings that the Holy Spirit is releasing on people. We're also called to discern those. But today my focus is on the Holy Spirit. And, and I've, I've already said Richard has has brought um, a real kind of encouragement of that discerning of the voice of God this morning. Richard discerned that that's what needed to happen and he led us in discerning God's voice. Now, I'm a big believer that when it comes to the gifts, they are for everybody. Don't limit God by saying, that's not mine, I'll have that one, or this is yours, so it's not mine. If there is a gift of the Holy Spirit, and you are full of the Holy Spirit, that gift is available to you. And this morning, if you're a Christian, you have operated in the gift of discernment already. Because you have discerned through the Holy Spirit that Jesus died for you you have discerned the truth that Jesus is the son of god that has become a reality to you you could not have done that on your own so if you are a christian this morning this, and you, you know that you have this gift and i just want you to think for a moment of a time when you've been aware of god's presence it may have been in a meeting like this. It may have been um, in a time on your own when you were actively spending time with God. It may have been in Tesco's. But I want you to just think about a time when you've been aware of God's presence. And I want you to think, what made you aware? How did you know that in that moment God was with you? Yes, God is always with you. We, we, our heads know that but sometimes become more aware of his presence. It may have been that you had an emotional response. You may have felt a sense of peace, or you may have had a sense of joy. It may have been that you, will, that you ended up laughing or crying because your emotions were, were responding to what the Holy Spirit was doing. It may have been a more physical response. You may have felt a warmth over you. You may have felt almost like a weight of God's presence as if there was a pressure on you. you. Some people talk about their hands get hot when, when, they're, when they're aware of God's presence. It may have been that you started shaking. When the power of God comes upon us, it can affect us physically. It may be that you saw a vision or you felt like you heard God speaking. Or it may have been that you just knew. Dr. Sharon Stone, who is a prophet, she has this phrase that I love. She said, You just know it in your knower. We that's you know, we have touch touch, smell, taste, hearing, sight. In our spirits, one I think one of our uh, spiritual organs is our knower. We when we just know something, we're just aware of something. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, I can't even think of a time when I've known God was present, don't worry. That just means God's got more for you to step into, and we're going to pray for that today. But if you are aware of some of the times when you've been aware of God and you've been aware of his presence, it's really good to know that you know that. And it's also good to keep going back into his presence saying, God, just come close. Draw close to me. Let me know that you're here and start asking him questions. What are you feeling today, God? What is your What emotions are you feeling? What's on your heart? And then listen, how does he communicate that with you? Does he give you that emotion? Does it come as a word? Does it come as just a sense? Or is it a, you just know it and you know her? Start coming because then you start to sense what God is doing, how he is moving, what's on his heart, because we want to, we want to get in line with his agenda, not drag him into our agenda. Now, that doesn't work. Now, Jesus spent a lot of time retreating on his own into God's presence. He was incredibly intimate with God. He was incredibly intimate with the Holy Spirit. And we know that he was led by the Spirit. And in John 5:19. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. Now, what did Jesus see? I can't find anywhere in the Gospels where God appeared, did something, and then said, Jesus, copy me. Jesus discerned what the Father was doing. He discerned through the Spirit what it was that God was doing. He discerned that because he was so familiar with the Holy Spirit. He was so familiar with God, he knew what it was that he needed to do. Now, I want to look back a little bit earlier in that passage in John 5 to the event which which happened just before Jesus said this. So this is in John, John 5... I don't know whether we're going to get any words or not, but we'll see. I'll read them. You can come with me. (laughs) So some time later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one else to help me in the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured and he picked up his mat and walked. So here we have a story of Jesus performing a miracle of healing. And we've got some examples in here of how Jesus operated in discernment. So I want to think about what was it that Jesus needed to discern in this event? Well, first of all, he needed to discern where he needed to be. He could have been anywhere in Jerusalem, but he discerned through the leading of the Spirit where it was that he needed to be. He needed to be by this pool in Bethesda. And then he needed to discern what it was that God wanted to do. We could quite easily look at a story like this and think, there were a great many people here that needed healing. And we could think, well, God is all-powerful, God is all-loving. Surely he wanted to heal them all that wasn't the thing that was on God's agenda that day. Jesus could have done that had it been. But Jesus wasn't there on his own agenda. He was there to do what God was doing. And so God revealed to him which person. One man was highlighted in the many, and that was the man that Jesus went up to. He then needed to discern what it was that God wanted to do. Now, it might sound obvious that God wanted to heal him, but Jesus needed to discern that, because sometimes we can decide what God wants to do, and he doesn't. But in this case, God did want to heal him. But Jesus also needed to discern how that healing was to take place. They're at this pool that has this reputation that the person who gets in there is healed. So Jesus could have said to this man, right, I'll be the person that helps get you into that pool. But that wasn't the way that the father was working. He didn't want to use the pool water, he just wanted to use his own power. So Jesus discerned that actually this was a commanding time. This was a time to command healing. And so he told the man to get up and walk. The other thing that I think Jesus discerned was, uh, was the timing. This was another healing that took place on the Sabbath day. And there seem to be many of those in the Bible. Jesus heals, it turns out to be the Sabbath, winds up the Pharisees. And I think Jesus knew that God is also breaking that um, religious spirit in there. So there's all these different steps in that event that Jesus knew how God wanted to work. Jesus discerned that through the Holy Spirit. And that's how the Holy Spirit wants to work in us. He wants to reveal to us what is on God's agenda. So how does that look? Because again, we don't suddenly see God appear and demonstrate and show us. Well, it's often in the almost missable things. The little nudge to do something. That sudden urge when you're walking to change direction and to go another way. The person that gets highlighted to you for no obvious reason, but you somehow, your attention is drawn to them. The little whisper of an idea that just seems to pop into your head. These are all moments when the Holy Spirit may well be talking to you, may well be prompting to you, may have be giving you that discernment of what God is doing. And those moments are an invitation to step in, to listen to him and to say, what would you like me to do? What is on your heart for this person? Why have you highlighted to me? Do you want me to pray for them? Do you want me to prophesy over them? Do you want me to give them an encouragement? When we lean into God, what his agenda is starts to unfold to us. But it it starts with that discerning and then the asking, the, the hearing and the asking and the stepping into it. Now the second group of spirits, or the second category that I want to talk about is our human spirits. Because it is God's desire that we do everything out of a pure heart and out of right motivations. And that right motivation is to give him glory, is that his kingdom be expanded and that his name be made known. We're not always good at staying in that place though. Now in Jeremiah 17, this is what God has to say about the human heart the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. God's not really holding back there. (laughs) That is probably one of the the more blunt verses in the Bible. The heart is deceitful above all things. We are very, very good at deceiving ourselves. We are very good at having our wrong motivations but being able to make our excuses for it, being able to kind of explain it away in ourselves so that we think, actually, it's okay, really. We can explain away our sin. We can justify our wrong motivations. Whilst at the same time, our hearts will be condemning us and telling us how how dreadful we are and how unforgivable we are. We manage to, to juggle these two things that are not right at the same time. And Proverbs 23 says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life, or as the NIV puts it, for everything you do flows from it. The state of our hearts impacts what we do. If our hearts go unchecked, they can be places of real deceit, and they can, they can, we can operate out of those wrong motivations where we want to put ourselves on the throne, where we want to seek ourselves first rather than God. And we have default settings and blind spots, things that we don't see about ourselves, things that are really ingrained in our thinking that we don't know they're there. Do any of these, can you relate to them? Does your subconscious thought think, I need to put myself first because nobody else will? I need to put up certain barriers to protect myself. I need to win certain people's approval if life is going to go the right way. I need to fight for my position or someone else will take it. I need to provide for all my needs myself. If certain events don't happen the way I think they should, there's no hope for my future. None of these are true. Because our security is in Jesus, our hope is in Jesus, our future is in Jesus. But our subconscious thinking says, I've got to protect me, I've got to look after me, I've got to make sure I'm okay. And our wrong motivations in our hearts can lead to us doing things in the wrong way. We can lead to us doing good things, but out of that wrong heart. But because these are blind spots in us, we need the Holy Spirit to reveal them. David, in Psalm 139, prays this, and this needs to be one of our daily prayers. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Yes, we have wrong motivations, but it is God's desire to show us, to help us to discern those so that we can bring them to him and we can put them right. And often the way that we can kind of realize that there is something that's not quite right is by our emotional response to things. Now, emotions are a good thing. God is a very emotional God. Jesus demonstrated emotions. We are not called to, to, to squash our emotions. We're not called to switch them off. They are not sinful in themselves. What they can lead to can be. But we do need to listen to them, because they can be indicators of what's going on. If you have a feeling of insecurity or jealousy, that's probably an indicator that you are somehow putting your trust in something that isn't God. Now, there's an an example that I had a few years ago where I needed a little bit of discernment. Um, As some of you know, I did a couple of years with a prophetic school and on the second week, we went along, and it was the week where they were going through all the requirements of the course, what we would need to do, um, what was expected of us, what the values of the school were, and you know, just, just basically laying everything out, all their procedures and everything, and everything that they said was great. But I was coming home from this, and I was feeling really wound up. And almost a bit antagonistic. And I just thought, what, what, what is going on here? Anyway, I got home, couldn't sleep because I was so wound up. I can, nobody said anything that I disagree with. Nobody's offended me. Everything that they've said was biblical. Why am I feeling like this? And so I was praying about it and I said, God, what, what's going on here? What, why, am I, why am I having this reaction? didn't hear anything. But then the next day, it was as clear as this. I was driving towards Durham, pulled onto the 690, and this little voice in my head said, you'd rather be the teacher than the student. Well, this is the re- reaction you don't do. Well, that can't be right. I said, I said to God, well, I, I'm, a good, I'm a good student. I'm always reading things. I'm always listening to things. And I realized, yes, it's great to be able to read some good books. But you know, when I I read a Timothy Keller book, I'm not answerable to Timothy Keller for anything. He doesn't check up on me. He doesn't make sure I'm putting those things into practice. He doesn't tell me what's, what's going on, where I need to change things. And I realized that I loved learning, but on my terms. And I thought, oh, maybe I'm not as teachable as I thought I was. So I repented of the pride. I asked God to give me a teachable spirit. Those feelings of, um, that, that turned up feeling went and it never came back. And I loved learning. But I needed the Holy Spirit to tell me what was going on. And if he hadn't done, I don't think I would have got as much out of that time that I, as I did. Because I would have been going with that wrong heart, that wanting to prove myself, that wanting to, to be in control of it all. Now, not all negative emotions, emotions are a sign that we're out of line with God. Some things that come out of trauma or grief, they are godly emotions. And we, it's not about switching those off. Those are things that we need to come to God and we need to receive his blessing in. And yes, those things can take time. But there is a blessing in that time. So don't think I've got a negative emotion. Something's hard. I must be out of line with God. Yes, ask him. But, but not all negative emotions are a bad thing. Likewise, not all positive emotions are a good thing. Now, Do you ever feel, yeah, I'm just at peace at the moment, everything's peaceful? Maybe you're comfortable. Maybe you're not stepping out where God wants you to step out, and you need the Holy Spirit to show you that. Are you celebrating a pay rise? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Pay rises are great. What if we're celebrating that pay rise because now we're financially secure? Our security is in our money, not in God. And isn't it wonderful when people compliment us and encourage us? But do we allow that encouragement to be the thing that validates us? To be the thing that, uh, that we build our identity on rather than Jesus? There can be a fine line between the right response and putting our security in the wrong place. And that is where we need the Holy Spirit regularly to say, to just for, before we can come to him and just say, show me, show me my heart and le- help me to put it in, li- in line with you. Now the final area that I want to look at is the demonic. As I've said to you, this is a very real um, realm, the kingdom of darkness. It is also a completely and utterly defeated realm. When Jesus died on the cross, he put the powers of darkness to shame, and he rose again with them completely defeated. Now, they are defeated, but they are not yet destroyed. They will be. And there's some things that we need to know about this realm. First of all, Satan is not the opposite of God. He is a created being. God is the creator. Satan is not creative. He doesn't have new ideas. In fact, all his ideas are just a twisting of God's ideas. He has a level of power. But I love the way we've been doing Freedom in Christ with some of the students recently. And in one of their videos, they talk about what power Satan has. And if we want to compare Satan to God... It's like comparing an ant to an atom bomb. Guess which one's in you? The atom bomb. That is the power of God compared to Satan. And even then, I think, well, an atom bomb was created by people. So actually, God is even more powerful than that. So every power of hell has been defeated and must come into submission to the name of Jesus. He is the one who has all power and all authority, and he has delegated that power and authority to you. And that is what you need to know. Now, I'll often hear people say, I think I've got a spiritual attack going on. Well, if you're a Christian, in fact, probably even if you're not, Yes, you have. Because Satan and his demons do not want you to know how forgiven you are. They don't want you to know how loved you are. They don't want you to know how righteous you are in God. They don't want you to know that you have been made holy. And they certainly don't want you to know how powerful you are with the Holy Spirit within you that atom bomb. Because when you realize that, actually they're a little bit doomed. Their plans are thwarted. So, as I've said, as the ones that contain the Holy Spirit, carriers of the power and authority of God, we do not need to fear spiritual attack. But we do need to be aware of it. And we become aware of it through the Holy Spirit when he reveals to us that the powers of darkness are at us, that are biting at our heels and affecting us. So if they, are, if they are under authority and they've lost kind of that authority over us, how do they affect us then? Well, they've kind of got two strategies. They lie and they tempt. They lie to us about God's nature. They lie to us about his desire to use us. They lie to us about the impact of our sin on our lives. They tell us that forgiveness isn't enough. They tell us that we aren't really forgivable. They tell us that we're not good enough. And they tempt us into sin, which again is a lie. They tempt us that that sin is greater than God. That sin is greater than God's presence. We'll have more fun having too many glasses of wine than we will in God's presence. That's a lie of the enemy, and it's a temptation. And we become vulnerable when we partner with those lies, when we agree with them, when we say, oh yeah, that does look more fun, I'm going to go and do that. Actually, we open a door in our lives. And if we keep doing that, actually, the the enemy can then get a bit of a stronghold in us. And we find ourselves drawn into, into that sin, into that way of thinking, into that way of believing that God never intended us for. God has intended us for freedom. So actually, when there is something going on, when you're aware that something is a struggle, something is a battle, we need to go to the Holy Spirit and ask what it is is it spiritual attack? Not everything that happens to us is spiritual attack, but some things are. And when the Holy Spirit highlights to you, yes, this is a demon at work in your life, then we need to know what we need to do about it. Now, in Mark 16, Jesus says, and these signs will accompany those who believe. That's those who believe, not those who have a special authority, not those who have a special position, those who believe. So that's every believer In my name, they will cast out demons. They have to respond to the name of Jesus coming out of your mouth. So, what does that look like, casting out demons? If you have done freedom in Christ, you will have done a step stay. That is what it looks like. And if you haven't done freedom in Christ, I'll go through that a little bit because it's not a secret. When, when we've partnered with the enemy in some way, we've either stepped into some kind of temptation, we've, we've allowed a sinful lifestyle to develop in us, or we've been agreeing with him in his lies. When the Holy Spirit highlights to us that we've done that, the first step is to either confess that sin, to repent of it, or to renounce those lies, to, to, to Um, break our partnership with them, say, no, I don't believe that. Then we need to tell that lying spirit to leave us in Jesus' name, and they have to. They get no choice in that. They have to respond to Jesus' name. So we send them away, and then we ask the Holy Spirit to fill us, and to fill us with the truth that we need to now live in. And often it can be helpful then to find a scripture that you can speak over yourself because those, those demons, they will try and come back and say, didn't work, still here. And like, No, you're not, go. So we need to resist them through the, the power of the word of God. So we see that this is kind of the, the, the realm of the spirit that is around us at any one moment. At, at this point in time, You are being influenced by the Holy Spirit. He is working mightily in you. You've probably got some motivations in your heart that are not quite right. Don't panic, so is the person next to you. God's working in you. He's not leaving us as we are. And we've probably all got areas where we've given into lies of the enemy. Where we've given into the temptation of the enemy. Things that we need to put right. Through the gift of discernment, God is opening up this realm to us. God is showing us what is happening, and he is teaching us how to partner with him so that everything we do is out of his agenda, is out of his timing, and is in the way that he wants it to happen. Through the gift of discernment, we are able to step into greater levels of freedom. And that is the freedom that Jesus has bought for us. So it is already ours. We just have to learn to walk into it. Could the band start to come back up, please? I'm going to pray over us now. Paul prays a wonderful prayer in uh, Ephesians about the eyes of our hearts being enlightened. It's our spiritual eyes that we want opening to see in that spirit realm. This is for everybody. So this is a work that God wants to do in everybody. We're all at different places in our ability to discern. God wants to move us on. So can I invite you all to stand, please? And I just want you to put your hand roughly over where your heart is. And as I pray through this... Trust that the Holy Spirit is working in you, that He is increasing in you, and that He is opening up those eyes. Yeah, Lord Jesus, we just declare that you are Lord in this place. You are the King of kings, you are the Lord of the Lords. And Lord, we thank you that you are the one who leads us out of your great love, out of your power and authority. And so Lord Jesus, we just pray that you, you would come in your glory, that you would release the spirit of, re- of relation and of wisdom in the knowledge of you, that each of us might know you more, might be aware of you more, might understand you more. And Father, we pray that you would enlighten the eyes of our hearts. That, Lord, that we would learn to see in that spirit realm. We would become aware of the unseen. That you would teach us to navigate, to discern, to understand what you are doing, to understand what is happening around us, Lord. And, Father, I pray that we may know the glorious hope to which you have called us, the riches of of your glorious inheritance in the saints. And that we might know the immeasurable greatness of your power towards us who believe. Lord Jesus, we declare you are far above all rule and authority, all power and dominion, and every name that is named. And so, Lord Jesus, we just say, would you come? Would you pour out your spirits upon us this morning? Would you activate our spiritual senses? Would you awaken us to the realm of your spirit, Lord? Would you teach us? Would you lead us? And would you give us a bigger picture of you seated on the throne? In Jesus' name, amen.